This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Hey everyone, welcome to From the Kitchen Table. I'm Sean Duffy, along with my lovely wife, Rachel Campos-Duffy. Thank you, Sean. It's so great to be at our kitchen table again on our second podcast of the week. And we're having a discussion this morning over coffee. We're still kind of pondering this whole Hunter Biden laptop story. It's it's still very shocking. I thought it was interesting, Sean. You know, so many people, like I think over 45% of people didn't even know that the Hunter Biden laptop existed um, or even that it was real. They, you know, they were putting out messages that it was, you know, Russian disinformation. But there's a lot of other stuff people didn't know going into the election. That's very interesting. Thirty five percent of people didn't know that there was a sexual assault allegation um, against uh, against Joe Biden. And almost 9% of those people said that would have shifted their vote. 45%, as I mentioned, didn't know about the Hunter Biden scandal. And about 10% of those people said they wouldn't have voted for Joe Biden if they had known about it. This one's really interesting, this next stat, Sean. 50%, over 50% of Americans, 50.5, were unaware of the U.S. energy independence under Trump. So over half the country didn't realize that Donald Trump, which I think, frankly, Sean, was probably one of his greatest achievements, he made America energy independent. He made it so that we didn't depend on people who hated us around the world for our energy, and it actually fueled the greatest economy we'd ever seen. Yeah, and 5.6% of those folks would have shifted their vote away from Joe Biden. Fascinating. If you look at all eight of those issues together, the poll says that a total of 17% of Biden voters told the pollsters that they would have changed their vote if they had been aware of one or more of these important stories. And this would have moved every one of the swing votes, uh, swing states into Trump's column by huge numbers, by huge margin. The president would have trounced Biden, according to this poll, in the Electoral College, uh, 311 to 220. Seven. And by the way, this poll was uh, taken by the Media Research Center. Isn't that fascinating? It is. And it begs the question, what happens uh, in society um, with those who are responsible for giving information out to the public? What happens when Americans aren't fully informed of the issue sets that really matter to them? Because these issues, I think, do matter. The character of the president, number one, and some of the issues that are really important in people's life, like Energy, energy. <laughs> right? And I mean, I, again, I, in a second, I want to go back into the Hunter Biden um, yeah. laptop story, the FBI and the Joe Rogan interview with Mark Zuckerberg. But first, I, I, I we kind of have this view because, listen, we grew up in the 80s. We have this opinion that everyone's a good actor. Everyone's trying to do what's best, right? And so you think the media is there to make money and present the news to the American people. 
Well, we saw over the at least the course the course of the Trump presidency, that's not what the media was doing. They weren't talking about the good, the bad, and the ugly of Donald Trump. No, they were just about we're going to take Donald Trump down. He's a threat to our ideas. The great transition that we want to see in America, Donald Trump is a threat to that. And so we have to present a narrative that's incredibly negative and oftentimes untrue about Donald Trump. But then we also have to hide the bad, negative, horrible facts about Joe Biden. And if we do that, demonize Trump and lift up Biden, we, the media, can impact the outcome of an election. Right, because it's really state media. I mean, the people that you know used to be, and we talked about this a little bit with uh, Batia last week, that it used to be that being a journalist was a working class position, right? It was like the working man who was sort of representing um, the views of the everyday American. And then something happened, something shifted. I think she took it back to somewhere in the 80s. We started to see the Kennedys. Remember that, you know, separate, you know, uh, several Kennedys became journalists. And um, you started to see these elites and, and the incomes of journalists increase. And they sort of became part of the elite class and part of that um, narrative and that mindset. And so we don't really have, you know, outside of local news, maybe we don't really have a media that isn't, to, you know, towing the state line, the Democrat ruling party line. And I think we, we saw that there. It's, it's not that it just started under Trump, Sean. I think most it's Republicans have, have seen it, but it just went into overdrive. There was something about Trump that really disgusted the elites that really threatened them um, for some reason. And it just went in to overdrive. And it, and it became that you could justify doing anything, violating all kinds of ethical, you know, journalistic standards. If it came to that, I want to play a clip, though, Sean, because this is from Mark Zuckerberg after he this is how he defended the suppression of the information about Joe Biden um, on Facebook. Uh, it, I think it really it, the casualness with which he did it is what really strikes me. Because, I mean, it turned out after the fact, I mean, the fact checkers looked into it. No one was able to say it was false. Right. So so basically it had this period where it was getting list distribution. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I, I but I think like I, I think it probably it sucks, though, I think in the same way that probably having to go through like a criminal trial but being proven innocent in the end sucks. Like it still sucks to have have like that you had to go through a criminal trial, but at the end you're free. Um, so it's I, I don't know if the answer would have been don't do anything or don't have any process. I think the process was pretty reasonable. You know, it's we still let people share it, but but obviously you don't want situations like that. As a as a prosecutor, what do you think about this? I don't know that I get the analogy because I think it's like I got charged criminally. I was innocent, went to trial, and I lost is what happened. You weren't exonerated at trial. You were convicted at trial because that's what happened to Donald that's Trump. That's what I was going to say. I, I see this from the perspective of Donald Trump. He was convicted, uh, essentially, through the process of this. And now they're going, well, sorry, we screwed this up. You, you know, it turns out Hunter Biden's laptop was true. But, you know, I, th I find it fascinating that, that Zuckerberg is like, you know, this the process was good. You know, this this the process kind of worked. It kind of sucked, but, it, you know, that's what we have to do. Well, you know what? That's not what you have to do, especially when the process kept good information, important information, information that would have changed the way people voted on Election Day. 
when that information wasn't given to the American people, no, that's a problem, Mark. Um, can't can't go down that road again in the future. And, 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 and let's be clear, Mark Zuckerberg, he was the one that gave you know tens yes. of millions of dollars of his own money to a left-wing group to affect the outcome of the election. So for in him Wisconsin. to feel bad, it was around the country, but also specifically in our state yeah. of Wisconsin. But to make us believe that Mark Zuckerberg might feel bad that he put the thumb on the scale of the election by suppressing the Hunter Biden story. No. Give me a break. That's what he wanted. That's what that was. That was what he was giving part of his fortune to is to make sure Donald Trump lost the election and Joe Biden won. Yeah. You know, it's interesting because I keep saying, where do I go to get back our 2020 election? You know, I just feel so duped by this, uh, by everything that happened. And I feel like we didn't go in to Election Day with all the information that Americans did not have all the information in order to make that decision. I mean, the polling numbers I gave you, I mean, if, if over 50% of the American people didn't know that, that Donald Trump brought us energy independence, there is a serious problem with the information getting to the American people through, through our media. But it also brings up something about election day. And you know, Sean, I feel very strongly that we should not have early voting. It should be so limited. It should be because you're in the military and you're stationed abroad. Um, or if you're old and, and sick and in a nursing home or in the hospital. But other than that, I believe all of us should go. And, and by the way, Sean, I think we should have a holiday. I think the election day should be a holiday. No one should go to work and people should be able to go and vote. And we should all vote on the same day and we should all have the same information. Because one of the things that also happened and people forget about this, and you can Google this if you don't believe me that this is true. When the Hunter Biden laptop did drop, from, that story dropped from the New York Post, um, a lot, the number one most Googled term um, on Google was, how do I reverse my, my, how vote? Do I my vote? How do I change my vote? So people who are voting in September and early October, and then something happens, uh, people want want to know everything and have all the information when they, when they cast their vote. And I think we really have to, as a country, start to think about that. Other countries don't have mail-in voting. They don't vote three months in advance, two months in advance. Um, and they have the day off to go vote. And you can choose to vote or not vote on that day. But we should all go. And it should be like this nat national ritual. I think it's a beautiful civic thing. And we should all show an ID to prove who we are. What? Why can't we go back to that? You know, I think it's a good point. And uh, because this is really important, who we select as our leaders, whether they're our Boy, mayors, our, our senators, our congressmen, our president, that's a big deal. And to think that we're going to, we're so nonchalant that we need three months or two months to figure out, figure out a time when we can stroll in to cast our ballot. No, this is actually important. You should put some thought into it. You're right. We should all vote with the same information on election day. Now, there are times when and I've had this happen. I'm not going to be in my hometown where I can vote on election Too day. Too bad. No, it's not. If it's, it's not important to you, then it's not important to you. you I, I just think we have to we keep making exceptions and making exceptions. And that's how this whole thing starts. If you're sick in the hospital, if you're sick in a nursing home, or if you're in the military and stationed abroad, that's my view. You think I'm being very No, so what, I, what, what, happens, what happens, though, is I wanted to vote. So instead of getting a mail-in ballot, um, I actually had to go down to the clerk's office in my hometown. I had to show them my ID and go, hey, listen, I'm not going to be. And it was much harder than. How far in advance was that? I think I was 10 days out. But I was going to show them 
my, uh, I had to show them my ID, get a ballot and cast my ballot at the courthouse because I was not going to be there. Now, it was harder for me to go through that process than it would have been just to go and vote on election day. You mean security wise? In no, terms time of your, wise. Oh, time, time wise. wise. I mean, okay. It was more of a pain to go to the courthouse and figure, I mean, it, was, it, was, it wasn't as easy as election day, but I wanted to vote. So I, so I did that process. It was meaningful to me, but you're right. You want everyone to have the same information. And it's, so it's not just, you know, the time frame in which we vote, but the information flow matters. And I think, you know, what's my takeaway from the stats that you read, Rachel? My takeaway is we have to be vigilant. We have to be really smart about the information that we get and the sources in which we get that information. And also, I think we have to be smart about how we share that information with others. And you might not be able to do it on, you know, a platform like Facebook or Twitter because they're going to censor you. They're going to shut you down, shut your voice down because they don't like what you're going to say. But we have a lot of cups of coffee. We touch a lot of you know different people in our lives, and I think it's important to to talk about those things, um, the issues that matter. You know, I, I think it, I think it's more systemic than that. I mean, Sean, I mean, you can say, yeah, well, I call all my friends, I can text them, um, I can you know start sharing information, but I think it's really hard when you know you. I think we just need Congress to do something to stop these big tech companies from suppressing information that they don't want us to hear or amplifying information they want us to hear because it's just not fair. It's like they are becoming part of the story, part of the election process, and that's not right. And I, I just think when you say, yeah, we need to be really smart about it. Okay, well, what do you mean by that? I mean, the smart thing is to vote in people who understand tech because we've had a lot of people in Congress who are old and don't understand tech. Um, and we need people who understand how powerful that you know, platform is, and there has to be consequences for interfering with our elections. But you talked about Congress. Congress is not moving in the direction that we're talking about. Nancy Pelosi and Democrats with H.R. 1, that's the House bill, the first bill, it's the most important bill, they reserve H.R. 1 for their high priority legislation. Their first bill is to change the rules around election to make sure everywhere in the country it's mandated that they all have mail-in balloting. No one has to show an ID, that they can have drop boxes. And they say this is about uh, giving access to elections to everybody. But when you pull the idea of not showing an ID when you vote, 78% of Americans believe you should show an ID. Could that pass? One, they, listen, they've tried, to push, they've tried to push it. It would pass in the House. Absolutely. It won't pass in the Senate. Um, but this is a complete takeover of the elections, not making it better after 2020, making it far less secure, uh, far more ability for fraud and shenanigans in an election. Um, well, we had Molly Hemingway on earlier this week, and she seems pretty optimistic about how at least the states have made changes um, to make elections more secure. Do you feel that way too? Well, I do think you know some states have seen you know the the, the problems in the last election, but this is when you know you had you know Joe Biden say by showing an ID and voting on election day, that's Jim Crow 2.0. Listen, you know white Americans, African Americans, Hispanic Americans, they all agree that we as, as a majority we should show our IDs to vote, and I think that's important because you want to have faith in your election. You want to know that there was no cheating or there was no mass cheating in an election. And so if you support a candidate and your candidate loses, you're like, you know what? 
I'm really annoyed. I'm really maybe angry that my candidate lost, but I accept the results that my fellow citizens voted for somebody else. You take that and you go home and maybe you go work on the next election. But when you don't have faith that the election was fair, right. that you thought there was cheating and you look here, at least on the information flow, do you want if you want to call it cheating in the sense that people didn't know relevant information would have changed their votes and yes. powerful people, elites were the ones who kept that out of our consciousness. So we could make a decision on who our president should be on a, on a full set of facts is untenable. It's unbelievable. We'll have more of this conversation after this. Since the 1970s, working class Americans and U.S. investors who saved wealth in dollars have seen the dollar lose over 80% of its purchasing power. In contrast, investors who diversified their cash into gold saw gold appreciate over 5,000%. For Americans who invested $50,000 in gold when America left the gold standard in the 70s, their gold is worth more than $2.5 million today. While gold carries no guarantees and past performance does not equal future results, investors who do their own research will see that gold's performance over this time span is what gold has consistently done in the face of eroding paper currencies. For over 15 years, St. Joseph Partners has built its business with a singular focus on helping investors diversify their wealth and protect their families in physical gold and silver you hold in your hand. Don't let your hard-earned savings go unhedged. Call St. Joseph Partners or go to our joint website, kitchengold.net, not .com. That is kitchengold.net and protect your wealth. To your point, Sean, 57% electorate did not have access to information that could have been critical to their decisions at the poll. So 57% believe that. Um, by the way, 76% believe that the FBI misled Congress. So there's some there is some, you know, bipartisanship when you're looking at a number like 76 percent. I think that Americans are waking up I and mean, maybe this is one of these cases where the truth eventually gets out. The question is, uh, and I think people are waking up to the fact that government has been weaponized against the people that 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 our our law enforcement and intelligence agencies are weighing in in, po in political matters that they have no business in. But will we be able to change the Congress? so that we can put a stop to these things. That's what's I feel like we're entering this new weird phase. And I, I've talked to several colleagues of mine at Fox who are really concerned about this new place we're in as we're learning these things. There's a level of outrage, but I don't think, in my opinion, enough outrage over the fact that, for example, the FBI so, yeah, I want to come got involved that, with that. that. That's the most important point here because you I think that's the, the story, yeah, right? I, I, I keep focusing on the election because I want 2020 back, but you're worried about the FBI. Well, I think if you can say, well, I don't like Facebook, they censor information. I'm going to go to Truth Social. I'm going to go, there's other platforms. You can go to Rumble for videos that aren't censored as or opposed Getter. to YouTube or Getter. That's right. There's, there's other platforms where information is freely being shared. You can watch Fox. And um, frankly, you, you look at Fox um, and Brett Baer gives you both sides of the story. He's giving you the relevant facts of the day that you can tune in and go, oh, I'm seeing the good, the bad and the ugly of both sides. That's what you yeah. get at Fox. You don't get that at other networks. So, again, there's there's pathways around, you know, the big media tech and, and big, big media. tech. Yeah. The biggest problem here is the FBI. And because it's a black box and it's supposed to be a black box, they're supposed to do investigations, get intelligence. And, and we allow for that because they're charged with keeping us safe from really bad people who we see can, you know, on 
bad things happen. And we want to empower our intelligence and our FBI to make sure that doesn't happen again. Well, they've abused that power to now say, well, you can't really see what we're doing. We can hide behind this, this wall that you can't penetrate America. And oftentimes the Congress can't penetrate it either. And we're going to put our, our thumb on the scale of elections. And I think the FBI for a long time, you know, after the days of, you know, J. Edgar Hoover, were, were not, not political. They were about doing the good work of, of keeping America safe. But during the Obama years, I think there was a concerted effort to change the mindset inside the FBI, to bring in left-wingers. There were some important hires, this is what you're saying, some important ideological hires within the FBI, and that that has... Um, this was, it's brought you Bruce Orr and Kleinsmith, who changed the email that went to the to the FISA court so they could surveil Donald Trump, Page and Strzok, you know, Tim Tebow now, Jim, Jim Comey. I mean, you have a whole list of, of FBI activists, Democrat activists, anti-Republican activists, where you look at our history, I mean, I mean, that history, go back 10 years, 20 years, I don't know anybody from the I know. FBI. I thought that was such a great point. You were talking about that yesterday when you were on Fox Business. You were filling in for Cudlow and you were saying, I don't remember ever, you know, knowing the names of people who worked in the FBI. But suddenly we all know these names and that's a bad sign. Because they're violating the trust that we've given them. Right. right? And so, again, when you have bad actors, when you have political activists inside law enforcement, I mean, listen, the, the administration is able to bring in politicos and put them in, you know, in, in places where they're, they're a secretary or they're a high ranking official. They're not, you know, they're not careerists. They're politicals that are hired by the new administration to lead agencies or whatever. And we expect that. That's 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 so the president can accomplish the goals that they set forth, you know, yeah. when they ran for so president. So bureaucracy is not running it. And you have somebody who's doing what the president wants. The FBI and the DOJ are different because those are not political. Those are not political places. So then why do we have... Uh, you know, politically appointed heads of, of the DOJ, because then isn't that in in essence a, a bit of a conflict of interest? Because the president appoints the head of the Department of Justice, the Department of Justice head kind of must feel some sort of loyalty to the president or 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 and at least share their ideological point of view. No, I, so that, that's interesting. The, the person that you pick is picked by a political a president. Right. But the president is charged with being responsible and not picking a political hack. They want to pick a smart person who's going to, you know, effectively administer justice. Right. right? And so, yes, it's a political pick, but they don't want their pick to be political. That's that's the mindset that we expect from our president in those two spaces. Now, you might say, you know, my Department of Education head is going to be political. And that doesn't I mean, again, that's we've seen the impact of that, too, but that's less offensive than you know, having politics DOJ. in the DOJ. And so that's why when when we see the politics come and we, we go, listen, I mean, again, the FBI is going after Donald Trump for four years of his presidency. They surveilled him as a candidate and, uh, and as a president. This is unheard of. Unheard of. In American yeah. history. Or, was- or the DOJ says that parents who are protesting, you know, trans ideology and CRT and school, school, board. school, school boards, they're being labeled as Domestic terrorists. Sean, let me ask you this question. So some people think that Merrick Garland's, you know, political activism in that position has a lot to do with the fact that, you know, he really wanted to be the Supreme Court justice. And, you know, it was during Donald Trump's term in office and and, uh, in conjunction with Mitch McConnell that he was knocked out of that place. 
and um, and he, he didn't get to be um, the Supreme Court justice. I don't remember all the mechanics around it, but whatever. He was people thought he was going to be the, the Supreme Court justice and he wasn't. Um, and, and he blamed Donald Trump and Mitch McConnell for that. Do you think he would do more damage on the Supreme Court? because that's a lifetime appointment that he has, is doing at the DOJ. In other words, if you could, if you had to pick, the, you have two evils, right? Merrick Garland at the DOJ or Merrick Garland at the Supreme Court, where, what would you do? It's an, it's an interesting question because uh, you're, you're not the single head at, the, at uh, the Supreme Court. There's nine justices, right? But that would mean that you have one radical liberal in yeah, Garland closer to, you know, switching the majority of the court. So that's really bad. And it's a lifetime appointment where at the Department of Justice, he's he's got a guaranteed spot there for four years. And yes, he can wreak uh, havoc and there can be damage inflicted on the American people. But also there's a, a lot of scrutiny over what he's doing as well. Can I switch gears for you just for a second? Because we've been talking about, you know, the Hunter Biden laptop story, the election, the role of the media. What does this pretend for future elections? Uh, but we still are only it's hard to believe we still have three more years, three, three more years left um, of, of Joe Biden, essentially, uh, and how much worse this can get. But really, the, for me, what, what was important about that laptop um, as fascinated as I have been by Hunter Biden, I, I, by the way, if you haven't seen the Hunter Biden scandal uh, documentary on Fox Nation, it's it's very that's, good. That's great. I mean, the book. That's really good. We, went, we watched it ourselves. We watched it. It's great. And it's in his words because, remember, Hunter Biden wrote a, a book. And so there's an audio of his book and they actually use his, his, his audio with his voice on so much of this. I mean, it's it's, it's just unbelievable um, these stories about him and, you know, the 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 sex and the, and the drugs and the prostitutes and the baby mamas. I mean, it's fascinating. But really, Sean, it's about Joe Biden. And it's very clear. I mean, by the way, 78 percent of Americans believe that the Hunter Biden laptop is real. It's obviously real. We know it's real. Um, the FBI has pretty much admitted it's it's real. If that's real, the emails on there are real. And that means Joe Biden. It's very clear from the from from uh, Bob Alinsky, who worked with Joe Biden, who was working with him on some deals. So anyway, going back, Joe Biden is the big guy. He's getting 10 percent, which means he is compromised by the Chinese, by the Russians. I mean, this is the biggest story. I mean, this has changed so many things. I've kept wondering, you and I've been talking a lot about the fentanyl crisis and the role of the Chinese in providing the chemicals that the cartels are using. Um, why hasn't Joe Biden said to the Chinese, there is going to be major consequences if you keep selling chemicals to the cartels that are poisoning our children and killing 100,000 Americans. You better stop that. There's a reason why he doesn't act tough with China in that, on that front. There's all kinds of trade issues, Sean, that would benefit working class Americans that he's refused to step in on, uh, you know, um, all kinds of patents and intellectual property rights that he hasn't weighed in on. There, there has to be a reason why he's so weak on China when they're clearly our number one adversaries. And your point is uh, obviously here that Joe, Joe Biden's son, Hunter, was making money in China. And, and so was Joe. And, and Joe was getting a kickback off that money. And the Chinese know that. And therefore, to your point, the analysis goes that Joe Biden is compromised and therefore won't stand up for you, the American people. He has to be muted and silenced and actually told the line of China. So Joe Biden is not exposed. And, and frankly, 
you see a lot of that happening right now, the weakness that he's exhibited, even the fact that he would publicly expose that Nancy Pelosi, that, no weird, fan right? of, that she's going to go to Taiwan, right? That he's actually doing a favor to the, to the Chinese to let them know that she's going to make this trip. Cause obviously that they think that, that Taiwan is theirs. We don't necessarily agree with that, but you don't know. Listen, so I'm, not, I'm just an average member of Congress. When I traveled on a CODAL, I didn't do very many of them. I did a couple. No one knew the, the, the route in which we traveled, the countries that we were going to go. You wouldn't post anything on social media. Mm-mm in a country that you were at until you left that country. The fact that you would say where the speaker is going, and that would come from Joe Biden, is almost like Joe Biden's going to do a little tip off for the Chinese to go see. I'm on your side, China. I'm going to tell you that Nancy Pelosi yeah, is going to go like to Taiwan to them. and you can actually you know, attack us and attack her and talk about how outrageous this is. They go, go back to the media, though, on this, because this is where we originally started. Where's the media on this? I did not hear other than on Fox News, people bringing up the fact of that's weird. The president of the United States is outing his friend, Nancy Pelosi. By the way, they were petrified on the plane. If you saw the reports, they said that the Chinese were messing with the signals on the plane as they were landing and that they all were praying as they were descending into Taiwan because they were kind of freaked out. So they were in that position because of Joe Biden, her friend, a fellow Catholic, by the way. I was I was Fox. That was a Fox News alert. Nancy Pelosi was just praying on a plane. Uh, but but I say that in jest. It's actually really scary. And the media never really asked Joe Biden or his crazy press secretary, you know, why would you out your friend like that? Why would you yeah. put her in danger? Maybe it is, you only get Peter Ducey asking her questions and no one seems to want to follow up after Peter Ducey has done a great job. Maybe she was praying her militant um, and radical rosary on that yeah. point that we did the podcast on that. Yeah. Really so I guess as we close out this cup of coffee and podcast, it's important to make sure you get good information. Don't believe the FBI. Don't believe the DOJ. Don't believe the media. Make them go earn your trust again. They have to earn it back because they don't have it right now and make sure you do your work. There's a lot of good sites, a lot of good networks that give you the truth because you want to hear you want to hear the good stuff and the bad. Yeah, stuff. I listen to everything I go to. I listen to everything and I weigh it out. I'm not in some conservative bubble. I, I try and read different things and different newspapers, but I'm able to also see, um, you know, where there's a bias. And I don't think that The New York Times has earned my trust. Sorry. And, and from there, let's let's go back and work towards building up a society in a culture and institutions that actually, you know, work for the people. We had that before. It wasn't that long ago, long ago. Let's go work and elect people who are going to bring that back, fight to have those principles still instilled in the country. And I think if we do that, um, this future is bright. But if we don't stand up. Um, yeah, it's a critical juncture. No, there's, there's no, no one doubt. else coming. There's it's, no Calvary behind you. It's, it's a critical and- juncture. It's like you stand now, speak the truth. It's revolutionary right now to speak the truth when there's so many lies around us. Speak the truth. Don't be afraid. Um, be that voice of common sense. And, and maybe we can, you know, America has an amazing ability um, to restore herself, to reinvent herself. And Because I think your kids and your grandkids deserve to have it. what you had, right? They deserve to have that freedom and that kind of economy. Um, and it's worth fighting for because I don't want them to grow up in a North Korea I don't no. want that for them. Or China. So, China. Well, listen, everyone, thank you for joining us uh, on our Kitchen Table podcast today. Uh, if you like our podcast, you can rate, review, subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, give us a great rating. And listen, until next week, um, have a good one. All right. Bye, everybody.
from the Fox News Podcasts Network. I'm Ben Domenech, Fox News contributor and editor of the Transom.com daily newsletter. And I'm inviting you to join a conversation every week. It's the Ben Domenech Podcast. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com.